Welcome to the Proclaim and Defend podcast, a ministry of the Foundations Baptist Fellowship International. We seek to encourage and inform pastors on modern-day topics from a biblical perspective. Our mission is to bring together like-minded Baptists to collaborate in glorifying God through fulfilling the Great Commission. Hello, everyone. This is Don Johnson with the Proclaim and Defend podcast. In this episode, we're going to be looking again at our issue that we introduced last week, the issue of Frontline, uh, entitled Gambling, What's the Big Deal? Last week, we had our editor come on and talk about the whole magazine, what the whole theme was about, and all of that. This week, he contributed uh, a two-part article, so basically a double-length article uh, to the magazine. It's sort of the heart of the magazine. And uh, Dave Shoemate, he's... Uh, he, he introduced himself to you last week, but his, we basically jumped right in and started talking about his article this week. So uh, the title of his article is Gambling in the Bible. Uh, part one, does the Bible forbid gambling? And part two, does gambling violate biblical principles? So we sort of covered some of the main points of both of those articles. I hope we left a, enough in there. I think we did uh, to encourage you to read the articles as well. Those of you who are subscribers, paying subscribers, will be able to read his article right away on our Substack. Uh, if you subscribe for a full year, as you know, you will be able to get not only that access, but also we will send the print magazine to you. We really encourage you to do so. I think you'll uh, benefit from the articles. And in addition, uh, you will be able to support the ministry of the FBFI. There are a lot of things that we do that we think are valuable, especially our chaplain ministry in the U.S. military and many uh, civilian ministry uh, chaplaincy positions with police forces and and uh, hospitals and uh, fire departments and uh, things like that. So we think this is an incredibly valuable ministry. We uh, we work very hard at it. We have some very fine uh, men and women involved in it, and so we would encourage you. Uh, to support our work. Uh, we think it's well worth it. Uh, and uh, without any further ado, I'm going to stop the commercial, as I say, and get to this session. So here's uh, my interview with Dave Shoemate. All right, well, this is uh, Don Johnson with the Proclaim and Defend podcast, and here today is uh, Dave Shoemate again. He introduced our most recent issue of Frontline, Gambling, What's the Big Deal? That's our theme. And uh, he was he's the editor in charge of this issue. So uh, uh, we spoke last week about the general theme of the magazine, but today we are back to talk about the articles he wrote. And really, uh, it's sort of a two-parter, but, uh, but one long discussion of uh, the theology. Gambling in the Bible is the title. Two subtitles. Does the Bible forbid gambling? And then does gambling violate biblical principles. Now, uh, I do want to urge our readers to, uh, our listeners to read the articles, get it in the right order here, and subscribe, but I think in this case we will have to hit some details to make it clear what you're saying in the article. So first what I want to do is quote from your introduction, and then uh, we'll uh, start uh, picking up here. I've got just a little bit, one paragraph and then another sentence from the next paragraph. Um, you note, uh, in, in, you start out noting that Christians have opposed gambling for a long time. The evangelical 
world, the broader evangelical world, has been antagonistic towards gambling. But these days, some Christians have, uh, as with many things, a new idea. So you say this, despite this opposition, there has arisen the idea, even among conservative Christians, that gambling is not inherently sinful. Rather, like other forms of entertainment, it can cause problems if overindulged, but it can be innocently enjoyed in moderation. Some Christians undoubtedly view gambling as poor stewardship of their time and money, but they would be reluctant to criticize other believers who gambled. But is this view correct? Is gambling morally neutral, only to be avoided under certain circumstances or as a matter of wisdom? So that is the question. So I think the first thing that we need to do, and you do it in the next bit of the article, is to define gambling. So let's start there. How do you define gambling? Well, I, I think that, you know, it's one of those things we say, well, I think I know it. Uh, I think I know it when I see it. But um, it is important to define gambling because there are activities that may have uh, may have affinities with certain aspects of gambling. Uh, for example, um, uh, gambling involves a risk and there are other activities that involve risk. So is risk sort of inherent in gambling? Uh, is it unique to gambling? And so. Uh, typically, I think uh, the way you would define gambling is gambling is an, a voluntary arrangement. Uh, we're, we're excluding situations where there's some kind of fraud going on or something like that. It's a voluntary arrangement or an agreement whereby two or more people decide that um, they will stake a certain amount of property, uh, something of value, uh, with the hope of a return um, on an uncertain event. That is any event that's to them uncertain at that point. And um, the further uh, qualification that the money to pay the winner comes from the loser or the losers. So you, it's a it's an agreement to put something up in hopes of gaining more. But what you get, it comes from the other the other participants. And it's based on the uh, the outcome of some uncertain event. So it could be the throw of a die. die. It could be the outcome of a horse race. It could be all kinds uh, of things. Yes. Uh, so that's really a, a basic definition. Yeah, I've heard of people willing to gamble on who's going to walk in the door next. And, you know, there's all kinds of things. But the other the other. Th- yeah, you, you yeah. can pick anything as long as it's not right. known, you know, right. in advance. The other thing there is that if you have an agreement where you are you are making an exchange, so like a business transaction, so I give somebody money. They give me a widget or whatever, you know, very, there's all kinds of widgets. Uh, and I value the widget. He values the money. So that's a, that's an exchange. That's not gambling. Whereas, and I, it may be the, you know, maybe yes. his widget is faulty and it may not be as good as it claims, but that's not the same as gambling. That's right. That's right. In other words, gambling has a series of qualities and really they are all integral to the to the process to to what gambling uh, actually is. And if you leave one out, uh, then sometimes, you know, you don't have something that is gambling. For example, um, there are drawings you can you can, you know, sometimes put your name in for a drawing and you might win something. Mm-hmm. Um, in that case, you've, you don't, uh, and, in, and in fact, a lot of companies, uh, businesses will have some kind of a game, mm-hmm. you know, in there. So you get something under the bottle cap, right? Or something mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, they, they typically say though, no purchase necessary. And what they're getting at is they, they're making it so that you don't have to pay anything. That's to right. Play. Yeah. 
now you might well buy the Coke and, and look under the thing. But if you have the opportunity to um, to play without paying anything, then uh, in that case, you haven't staked right. anything. So it wouldn't be uh, legally or I think uh, technically considered gambling. So in the case of in the case of an exchange, I'm giving you something, you're giving me something. And um, and so um, I value what I what I give what I get from you more than I value what I gave you. Otherwise, I wouldn't engage in the transaction. So that's a voluntary exchange where, at least in theory, both parties benefit from that. Investing is different as well. An investment, I uh, I will put money into a company or buy stock in a company, and that money then is useful to the to the increasing of value or creation of value through the operation of the company. And so that's not the same thing either. In gambling, uh, the only money that can come to me is not profit uh, that is produced by value. It is the losses of the that's other right, players. Yeah. And so that's a fundamental quality of gambling. All right. Well, well, I think it also becomes more clear as you uh, go on to point out that uh, from the Bible, uh, Exodus twenty seventeen, the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet gives us basically an absolute prohibition of gambling. So could you explain how that commandment prohibits gambling? Well, the, the, and I think it, it, this relates to one of the fundamental components of gambling that is sometimes not recognized. And that is, and that is for me to win at gambling, right? I, and let's say you and I, let's say you and I entered into an arrangement where we were going to bet on something. And uh, you put your money in and I put my money in. And if I win, I take it from you. And if you win, you take it from me. Now, it's not stealing. I've, I've heard it argued that that uh, that gambling is organized stealing and or um, stealing with permission. And and I understand the, the reason for that argument. But that's, in a sense, more rhetorical than logical because because um, it, it's, um, you know, it is a voluntary right. exchange. Right. If you give me something, it's not I, I right. didn't steal it. If you have five permission to have it. But what gambling, what, what the 10th commandment prohibits is the desire to have right. what you have. So if you're my neighbor and you have a car and it, I might say, boy, it would be nice to have a, a new car. But if I want your car, then that's a direct violation of the 10th commandment. I don't see how mm-hmm. that's not. So if we are engaging in gambling, then. I have $50 and you have $50. I want your $50 and you want my $50. Yep. And it's hard for me to see how that's not a, a direct violation of the 10th, of the 10th right. commandment. Now, you know, someone may want to make an argument and I'll be happy to talk with them about it, but, but I don't see how I can want to win without wanting to take right. what is yours. And of course you say, well, but you, you voluntarily put it up. That's true because you're getting an opportunity to want you want what's yeah. mine. And so we're both sinning. We're both violating the 10th commandment in yeah. that case. And so I think that makes it relatively straightforward. The key to key to understanding gambling is the losers yeah. pay the winners. Yeah. yeah. And I think unlike a business where the profit pays yeah. the winners, yeah. right? If there is a profit, then, then the, the people that invested make money from the, from the pr- product of the enterprise. So that's a fundamentally right. different Kind so of sometimes activity. when people will say, well, what about a, a casino? I mean, it's, I'm not betting you. You're not betting me. We're just, it's just a casino. Well, no, <laughs> the casino is just the middleman. <laughs> we're all, co- you know, the guy that's gambling yes. is coveting the winnings. And that means there's going to be, have to be losers. And so it's, in, it's more impersonal in a sense 
but you are actually coveting somebody else's money. Sure. In the case of, um, you know, think of the slot mm. machine, right? In the case of the slot machine, there's nobody but you yeah. and the machine. And the machine either takes your money and gives you nothing or takes your money and gives you something. But what it's giving you was put in there by other people. And, um, and this, this is important. To, well, and I think, you know, I think that's understandable. But if we back it up a step and say, okay, instead of a two person, uh, arrangement, let's say you have a pool for the NCA basketball right. tournament or something. So let's say you got, you know, 20 people in the office and they all pitch in a certain amount. Uh, you know, or for every bracket they put in, they, they, they pay a buck or 10 bucks or whatever it is. And then the winner gets the, the pot, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, less the cost of the coffee or something, <laughs> you know, but, you know, the winner in that case, you realize, well, I'm not taking just one person's money, but I am taking the money of all these people. And, and, um, there may be people in the pool that I don't know personally, but I know that they're individuals. But once you get to the size of, say, a lottery, or you get to something like a casino, then the the other person is very, it, it becomes very impersonal. I don't know whose money I'm coveting, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think it's essential to understand that is somebody else's money that mm-hmm. I'm taking. And because the, the house always gets mm-hmm. its cut. The, the casino always can make it so it gets a certain percentage, and then it doesn't care who wins and loses as long as the casino gets its percentage. And the lottery... People who run the lottery, they don't care who wins and loses as long as they mm-hmm. get their cut. And so your, your take, it's the same thing. It's just right. impersonal. So as we carry on on that, in your article, you do pick up several objections, and we'll, I'm going to leave those in into that part of the article. But one of the terms that you use, and, and I think you have used, maybe it was in our earlier conversation, the term that gambling is a zero-sum game. So let's talk about what it means by a zero-sum game and then how that differs from a normal business transaction. We've already touched on this, but maybe to just hit that again. Sure. Sure. Well, a zero-sum game means that there is a total amount, and so every dollar I get is a dollar you don't get. Mm-hmm. Now, that can that can be a case where uh, there is a, a limited resource, and then we have to divide that between ourselves. In the case of gambling, however, the money that is available for winners has to come from mm-hmm. the losers. And so uh, I can't win anything. I can't win anything that someone else hasn't lost. It's impossible. Um, in, and it's really, a, it's really more than it's worse than a zero sum game. It's a negative sum game because the, the the transaction cost, that is the middleman, they take their cut. So really, um, you know, if if I uh, win ninety five cents, then someone else, other people lost a dollar, and then five cents went to the people running the game. And uh, for the cost of running the game. So, you know, in that, in that situation. So yeah, that's, that's one of the key aspects mm-hmm. of gambling. There is no, there's nothing produced that can then be shared. Right. Yeah, that's right. So it can't, it's not win-win, it's, it's win-lose, win-win. right? It's, it's always right. win-lose. It's never win-win. Yeah. Yeah. In business, the whole idea, you know, like there are shady businessmen and it can be win-lose, but but the idea of business is I do something for you, you do something for me. It's an exchange. We're theoretically trying to improve each other's lot. And uh, through the trading, we sort of uh, produce something. Yeah. We, we create wealth rather than just move, move money around. Right. So, And that doesn't mean that in a business transaction that parties right. don't lose. Right. Let's say you start a business and then you take mm-hmm. debt. 
to run the business and you you're hopeful that by after you pay off the debt you will have right. a profit and that's why you took on the debt so you could you'd have leverage mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it ends up going mm-hmm. bad and so you lose money but the but your creditor still gets mm-hmm. paid off so you'd say well he won at your expense well the problem is it wasn't it wasn't the the essence of the transaction mm-hmm. that caused that it was just that you were mm-hmm. unfortunate you had a a bad situation and he was more protected legally because of the arrangement but that it, it's not inherent in the transaction that he wins at right. your expense the idea is that you're both supposed to win that's why you enter exactly. the transaction so it's not yeah. covetous in that's that right. sense and, you know and i've often you know like i used to work in real estate for many years as a to support our ministry and you know the whole idea of a mortgage you know the banks they look you over pretty closely and the reason is they don't want to foreclose that's not their they're not in the foreclosure business right. they're in the lending business so they they want you to succeed so that's the that's a whole a whole different orientation yes. well let's um, move on to uh, part two then which dealt with some other principles that uh, guide us about gambling and uh one thing about the gambling may reveal is a flawed attitude towards money and the call to contentment. So could you comment on that concept? Well, this, and this isn't unique to gambling. Okay. So, so the, the, the first argument is that I think there is a very direct relationship between gambling and the violation of the 10th commandment. And of course, the 10th commandment has broader application and is a broader principle than just don't want what your neighbor has. It's almost like that's the lowest yeah. bar, yeah. right? In other words, you can be covetous. I believe that the rich young ruler was covetous in that he loved possessions and money more than he loved God, and therefore he went away sorrowful. He would not follow mm-hmm. Christ because he loved his possessions more. They were his, so he wasn't he wasn't coveting his neighbor's property. But he had an attitude toward physical possessions, which was ungodly. And so it's there is a deeper truth underneath the idea. And, of course, covetousness in a lot of contexts in the New Testament, not just when it repeats the Old Testament command, but in other contexts as well, condemns covetousness, the acquisitiveness, the sense that I have to have more. I can't be happy unless I have more. The idea that my happiness hinges on my material possessions. And that's rife in the whole yeah. culture, right? This isn't just uh, this isn't just gambling, but gambling certainly plays on that, yeah. right? I mean, you know, they say, well, I just gamble for entertainment, mm-hmm. you know, and and okay, yeah, but what's entertaining about it? It's the possibility yeah. of winning. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, so it's 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 you know, it's like how many gambling commercials do you see where they show the person who puts the money in the slot machine and nothing right. happens? And they're like, yay, wasn't yeah. that fun, right? How, how many times do they show people not winning right. and, and yeah. enjoying it, right? It's, it's all yeah. about winning or, or thinking you might win. And so, you know, it, it, it's built on a covetousness kind of an acquisitiveness that is condemned in the scripture and is, we're, we're warned against in the yeah. scripture. It's not just that God doesn't want us to have any fun. He wants us to, to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> he wants us to be joyful and, and rejoice in him and be satisfied right. in him. And the idea that I have to, I have to get something, I have to win something, I have to get some material possessions in order to be happy is, of course, an attitude that's a real problem Absolutely. for Christians. Absolutely, yeah. We contentment. I mean, there is a sweetness about contentment and living our life that way. But uh, boy, uh, it's yeah. uh, you know, 
maybe you know a little less excitement and a lot a lot more long term contentment is what we should be after. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So you talked about. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, if I can make ahead. a, I, I was going to say make another comment there. We with the idea of contentment. You know, there are a lot of other problems that come up in our lives as believers and, of course, people that don't know the Lord as well with this idea of not being content to live within your means. And that's created all kinds of problems. We have a whole set of industries that are built around trying to get you to go into debt. Yeah. And um, and and, and it's, it's generally understood that one of the, the best ways to have secure financial future is to learn how to live on 80% of your income. Yeah. The, the key to... The, the, the first the first piece, the cornerstone piece, is to learn how to live within your income and to have money to save right. and, and invest. And, of course, for Christians to give to the Lord. And so the I it, it, it's it's um, the, the ethos that we get, yeah. you know, the entertaining quality of wanting to win something like that and mm-hmm. win big is actually, I think, corrosive of a kind of life that's right. blessed. Yeah. Now, you did uh, also talk about how gambling relates to stewardship as one of the principles against gambling. So, however, you went in a direction I didn't expect, actually. I thought you would talk about loss ministry opportunities, which surely surely gambling uh, losses would affect. But you pointed out how much time players might devote to gambling, like studying the game and learning the skills and and uh, learning how to you know, make bids and how not to give up their, you know, saying playing poker, how to not give up their their position to the other players by some facial tick or something, and they only only to end up losers in the end. And uh, you said the average expected return on gambling for each player will always be negative. This quality makes uh, gambling unlike our labor or investing, which are calculated to produce a benefit for others as well as a financial return to us. So all that time you spend learning how to play the game is is to put on an average losing proposition. Uh, so good stewardship of time would mean it is far better to spend your time learning how to provide, for example, goods and services for others so well that they are glad to pay you for them. Uh, so uh, now I have to be careful not to make your points for you, but maybe you could expand on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you did a great job. So... <laughs> Um, the point is that you, you know, stewardship is not just about money, right? We are stewards of our money and, and, and all the things you said about that are true, right? When I, when I gamble, when I, when I put money into something that is not producing anything of value, then, um, and, uh, but the other side of it is that the activity of gambling is, is, is also a cost. Right. If you think of it, what does money represent? Well, it typically, I mean, in, 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 if I'm putting money into any kind of an enterprise or I'm putting money into gambling, that represents my time mm. because I, I spent time and effort to make that mm. money or somebody spent time and effort to make right. that money. And therefore, it, there's a sense in which money is just a placeholder for right. life, for resources, for time, for effort, for ingenuity, for right. value. And, and as a placeholder, then it represents lots of things. And, and even if I'm just engaged in something which seems like there, like there's no middleman. So, uh, I engage in something very simple where the winners pay 100% of the money. I mean, the losers pay 100% of the money to the winners. We've still had to devise the game and play the game. And so there's still an investment that we've made. It might in some cases be small. In other cases, it's very quite large, mm-hmm. as you mentioned, right? People pouring over the horse racing, uh, 
you know, form and trying to figure out, you know, which, you know, which, which jockey is best on, on, on a muddy, you know, track or, you know, whatever. And, um, and that's a, that's an effort that we're putting into something that, that doesn't produce any material value. Um, so I, I, you know, there's other issues as well. I think the entertainment question, uh, if you've got a question about that, I don't want to jump the gun, but but that naturally kind of comes in here. We should touch on that. The, um, Somebody, I just want to add a little comment in here. You said something there that reminded me of something I heard from a talk radio. I'm not sure who it was, but they talked about money being representing your life energy. You know, like your time and yes, thought yes. and ingenuity and whatever. And it's it's sort of a, as you say a placeholder for that. But anyway, let's talk about the entertainment aspect of it and, and uh, how that. Uh, you know, fits into the picture. Well, the way that comes into it is, I think believers have an have a sense that yes, I I don't want to be covetous, and so if I'm and and I think we also have a, a sense that this is not good investment strategy, mm-hmm. right? And in other words, I the casino is not the place to go if you want to, you know, build your retirement. Yeah. And uh, and I think people have have an understanding that that's that that's the case. So the response back is, well, I don't, I don't play it to make money because that would be mm-hmm. just dumb. Um, um, and I don't spend enough for it to be a problem, but I would spend 50, you know, 50 bucks to go to see something, a ball game or something like that. And so why can't I spend 50 bucks at the casino? I just do it for entertainment. It has entertainment value to me. So whether I win or whether I lose, it is, it has some value to me. And so it's not evil. It's just a question of am I, how am I spending my entertainment dollars? And, and I'm not really, since, since the other players are doing it for entertainment too, then I'm not really hurting them. They got their value out of it. They bet their 50 bucks and they got 50 bucks worth of entertainment out of it. So, you know, I'm giving them entertainment. They're giving me entertainment. What's the, what's the problem? And, and I see kind of a, a couple of fundamental problems with that. The first of all is entertainment is not a magic wand, which I can wave over something and make something immoral, moral. Right. I mean, I think that in ancient Rome, they found, they found gladiatorial com- contests very entertaining. Yeah. yeah. That's why they went, but that didn't make it. In fact, it makes it worse because why, if we're amused and entertained by something that's, that's immoral in itself. So, just because something, and so if I'm coveting someone else's money or someone else is playing because they're coveting money and I enjoy, I enjoy being involved in that, you know, Paul says they, uh, in Romans chapter one, they not only did the same, but they had pleasure in them yeah. that do them. So there are lots of things that if you watch on TV or something, you know, you watch in a film that uh, if it glorifies something that's wrong, then your entertainment is wrong. So you can't just wave entertainment. Um, and the other problem is I think that, 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 that's often an excuse. You know, I asked the question earlier, why is it entertaining? It's entertaining because I think I might yeah, win. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, if it was, if it was truly entertaining in its essence and you didn't have to worry about his gambling, you would be just as entertained buying a replica slot machine with no money and just pulling the handle and see what comes yeah. up. Yeah. And the fact is that gets boring awfully quickly. It's the, the entertain, the punch of it is the opportunity to win the money. And so, you know, I think that that oftentimes that's just a, uh, that's, that's, that's just a yeah, pretext. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you also talked about the command to love your neighbor. And you mentioned two ways that, uh, 
uh, gambling fails to love your neighbor. I wonder if you could comment on that. Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing is if you love your neighbor, you don't want to take his that's stuff. Right. I mean, that's the first, right? And in fact, in the New Testament, um, uh, uh, Paul talks about how love for your neighbor key, is um, is the keeping of the commandments, and the commandments he lists are the commandments that relate to you and your neighbor. So, and he includes, thou shalt not covet. If there's any other commandment, is comprehended in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So the desire to have other people's stuff is, in fact, a failure to love your neighbor. So it, it's a broader, so just in and of itself, you have that mm-hmm. that problem. The other side of it is, um, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to do things that are bad for him. So even if you say, well, what if he wins? Well, that's still bad for him. Yeah. Yeah. In other words, it's, it may not be, he may not be worse off in the short term economically. I would argue he's probably going to be worse off in the long term economically because if he wins, he's probably going to gamble more and he'll eventually lose and he might end up losing more. Winning is probably, is perhaps the worst thing that can happen to you when you, if you start gambling because it, you mm-hmm. get hooked. Um, uh, but, but, um, so it could harm him in that way, but it, it, and, and of course the possibility of problem gambling. So if I love my neighbor, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do something that could possibly end up ru- uh, ruining his life. And then, um, and then if, if the motivation for gambling is suspect inherently, then I am putting a spiritual stumbling block in front of my neighbor as well. I am, I am inducing him to engage in an activity that's going to hurt his soul. Which is perhaps the worst thing right. of all. Right. So I, you know, I think that ended up being yeah. three, but but maybe only yeah, two in the remember. article. <laughs> but you know, I, I yeah. yeah. Well, that's absolutely that. that so I yeah. Go ahead, I, go ahead. That's absolutely right, though. That's, no, no, I, I was yeah. just yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny how these conversations go. We sort of get to the end and then we start stumbling over each other. <laughs> so one of the things yeah, I noticed, yeah. there are a couple of sidebars. Now, did you write the sidebars on on this or did they? I'm not quite sure. Um, I'd have to look at them. I think I found them. Uh, let me, let me. Uh, well, there was one about gambling. I should have looked at this before. The gambling by the numbers, gambling by the numbers. That was just things, you know, I found on the Internet. That yeah, was pretty easy. Yeah. Uh and I forget what the other yeah. one was. Well, that, that was uh, the one. But yeah, those were, that's just very easy right. to find well, that out. That was about. one I, I thought was quite interesting. And I thought I'd just read out gambling by the numbers. I just copied them out and put them here in my notes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and maybe, and we can maybe comment on some of this as we go through. So, the amount of money Americans lost in gambling in the first 11 months of 2022, $55.93 billion. That's a staggering amount of money. You know, you think about. And, and, and let me sure, make a com- um, make a comment about that. Let me make a comment about that. I, I, yeah. I interrupted no, you. I apologize. Right. It's your podcast. <laughs> well, and you can just like, just mute me if you want. <laughs> just hit the mute button and just yeah, keep right, talking. Yeah. Um, but you know, where did they get that figure? Well, that was legal gambling and the, 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 the enterprises that are involved in gambling report their profits. And so this is their right. profits. So this isn't just how much losers lost. This is how much aggregate everybody right. lost. Yeah. So so even accounting for winnings, this is how much the public in general lost. So that's a yeah, massive amount of money. It doesn't include illegal gambling either, So, uh, which still goes on, even though they, right. you know, they've legalized it. Uh, and so mm-hmm. and you think about the kind of enterprises that could be uh, – 
fueled by $55.93 billion. And this is just up in smoke, basically. So, so the number of ga Americans with mild or moderate gambling problems, four to six million. That, that's a, that's a significant number. That's, I mean, it's, you know, you say, oh, well, there's 300 and some million people in the States. Well, yeah, but that's four to six million people with a problem. And it's, it's astonishing that the government supports that kind of uh, uh, effort for its citizens. Yeah. yeah, if I can make a comment there as well, I um, I am concerned that we're going to see a lot of expansion of the number of problem gambling, not just because gambling is um, is increasing, but because so much gambling now is oriented toward youth. I mean, I'm not saying necessarily minors, although I'm, I'm sure that's going to be an issue. But, but for example, young men are often very susceptible yeah. to gambling and excessive yes. gambling. And who are the biggest, who's the biggest market for yeah. sports? So if you, if you attach gambling to sports, you're targeting. Yeah. And of course, if, if you're, if you're solely profit driven, then that's why you do that. You find people that are susceptible that want your yeah. product, and so I, I'm really concerned that this is going to be. And these are people that are in, that are developing habits or should have been developing habits of frugality and work and responsibility. What's that going to do in general to our culture? Uh, I, I'm I'm very much concerned yeah. about. Yeah, that. The, the figure along with that, two million who have severe gambling problems. Uh, the uh, then. Set, uh, this one, the percentage of Americans who reported they had gambled in the past year, 75%. So that, that's really, I, I mean, that means, you you think about the adult population, that's got to be, if you leave out the, you know, underage, you're talking probably 80, 90% of adults, wouldn't you think? And, and, and those were, you know, those were self-reported. Um, I think what it demonstrates is that people don't have any moral in our society have any moral compunction yeah. about gambling. Gambling is just considered right. a, a normal activity, right? It would be like going to the, yeah. you know, going to the amusement park or something. Right. You had mentioned some of the statistics here about the states. The, uh, in 1910, only two states uh, had legal gambling. Now only two states have are, make it illegal. And there are 33 states where online or in-person sports betting is legal. Uh, so that's quite a, a dramatic number. But then this one, the last two, I found this funny. Okay. One in 200 million, the odds of dying from a dog bite. Okay. Now, one in 292.2 yeah. million, odds of winning the Powerball grand prize with a $2 play. Now, my first question was, what have you got against dogs? Right. <laughs> You know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, you know, it's your chance of winning the lottery is yeah. zero. Okay. I mean, you say, well, no, it's not, is it technically zero? Yeah. It's zero. Okay. If you want to go play the lottery and you know, the idea is someone has to win. Yes, I know someone has to win and yeah. it's not you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're trying to make a decision about whether you're going to play, you need, you, you know, you, and, you know, I hope that no Christian would play, but anyone making the decision about whether to play needs to say, I'm yeah. going to lose. Yeah. yeah, I know there's. And and all I'm getting is the chance to dream for a little while that I yeah, might win. That's right. So, you know, there'll be one person will say, well, yeah, and they'll call in. Right. Yeah. But 
beforehand, <laughs> you know, when you go to buy the ticket, your 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 odds are essentially yes. zero. And the thing is that often people say, "Well, I'll just buy ten tickets." Well, you're still zero. And I had this I had this neighbor yet. actually when we first came to Victoria, so to start our church in in the eighties. So we lived in this townhouse complex, and the manager lived right across from us, and he was this very gregarious guy. But he told me one time, this is so in the 80s, he was spending over $200 a month on, on lottery tickets. And he, he, and wow. so I don't know what that would be in today's dollars, but he told me, he says, Don, he says, when I get the big one, I'm going to buy you a church. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm still waiting. You know, <laughs> you know, it hasn't happened. You didn't put that into your, you didn't put that in your church's no, I didn't. Plan, I I, maybe I should have put it in writing, though. I don't know, but I, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, you know, it's just it's such a delusion. Yeah. It's such a delusion, and uh, and it really right. can uh, uh, right. hurt people's lives. So, I, I think you can even the odds up. You just buy two hundred and ninety-two million right. tickets. Yeah. So if you spend two hundred, you know, five hundred, uh-huh. you know, it's uh, six hundred yeah. million dollars. Yeah, then you'll probably win. then you might have a good chance of winning yeah all right well i i i'm gonna leave our discussion here at this point we've sort of hit our time frame and and uh i do really want to thank you for these articles as i mentioned earlier um my uh father-in-law had a real problem in his life with gambling he was a Mm. serious severe gambling problem and you know it ruined his life and his his marriage and his home and his relationship with every one of his kids and um yeah, it's a terrible cost to pay. And so, and, and why risk it? I just can't see it. Uh, so I think you've addressed many of the ras- rationalizations in, in this art, these articles that people make for their gambling and given very careful Bible reasons why we shouldn't mm-hmm. take part. Uh, so I hope the Lord will use these articles in someone's life. And I just wonder if you have any last comments you'd like to make as we wrap up. Yeah, I was thinking about that as we were talking at the end. You know, there there is a, you know, that with, when we start getting into the odds and the odds odds of dying in a shark attack and the odds of becoming president of the United States, or mm-hmm. you can lay all those out. And 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 so you know the the just the absurdity of of mm-hmm. you know thinking you're going to win um, is is in a way humorous. But um, as you mentioned with regard to your your family background, um, you know, problem gambling is not funny. Um, and and I would say this: the spiritual costs of something like mm-hmm. this, you know, are not funny. Uh, and and because when we when we violate God's intention for us as human beings, we're made in the image mm-hmm. of God, and we're meant to know God. And when we when we deliberately go off the rails on that, um, that leads to um, spiritual tragedy and destitution, yeah. whether we uh, immediately perceive it or not. And so it is a really serious issue. It's not just a preference or a lifestyle issue. This is what we're trying to do is to learn is all of us to learn how to live biblically and make wise application of biblical truth and then make decisions based upon what the scripture teaches and not what the society is willing to tolerate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks again very much, Dave. And and we'll sign off now. This is the Proclaim and Defend podcast. This has been the Proclaim and Defend podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and give us a good review. 
If you want to learn more about the FBFI, check out our website at fbfi.org or our blog, Proclaim and Defend, at proclaimanddefend.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Proclaim and Defend.